The work hours for a professional working in athletics can fluctuate. That's why the University of Cincinnati Online designed a Master of Sports Administration program that is both flexible and 100% online. Connect and build relationships with other students, alumni working in athletics, and their experienced staff. The best part? You can graduate in as little as one year. Unsure about going back to school? UC Online has a team of student success coordinators ready to guide you from start to graduation. Reach out and learn more about UC Online today. If you're going to work in minor league sports, you're not going to be a one-trick pony. You're not going to come in in your marketing and that's you're going to sit at your desk and work on a plan because it just doesn't work that way. So make yourself invaluable. Find out what you love as a part of this and, um, and go for it. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. I am in love with the pitch clock. Yes, it's true. I profess my undying love and affection for an inanimate object, a series of buttons, switches, and LED lights, because it has renewed my faith and commitment to a sport that defined my youth and admittedly has disappeared over the last 10 years. I love the Boston Red Sox. They are my first sports experience. 10-year-old me remembers going to my first game at Fenway Park with my dad. My parents were divorced, and these are special moments. These are special memories where sports and life intertwined with visuals that I will never forget. This is an indelible mark in my youth. And yet, it's gone now in a lot of ways until the return of the pitch clock. Also, technically on that game that I went to with my dad, the Red Sox blew a seven-run lead which either gets me used to being a Red Sox fan or should have made me really not like baseball, but for some reason, I don't know, who cares? This was Fenway Park. The smell of peanuts and 100 years of terrible plumbing. Can't beat that. That's, that's baseball Americana right there. But anyway, I'm here to confess. I haven't sat down and watched a full baseball game in a long time because those games take a long time. Who has four hours to commit to watching a game on a Tuesday night? or a Thursday night, or even on your weekend. I got stuff to do. You know, I want to watch. I love watching a basketball game or soccer game. Two hours, boom, I'm in, I'm out. There's action throughout. Four hours? Jeez, you kidding me? Sadly, because of this, my love of baseball has dwindled until the pitch clock brought back my faith in humanity. Pace, speed, action. Let's get after it. I love it. Thank you, baseball gods, for not sticking with tradition and instead modernizing the game we love. Or maybe we should credit minor league baseball. If you've listened to this show for even a minute, you know I recommend interning at minor league baseball as the best possible experience for your career. You do a bit of everything. You see what you love. You build your hands-on experience in your resume. You learn the rhythm of what it's like to work in sports. Minor league baseball is the ultimate training ground. But here's another reason. You're on the cutting edge of innovation. It was January 15th, 2015, when Major League Baseball said, hey, minor league teams in AA and AAA, why don't you start implementing a 20-second pitch clock? And let's just see what that does to our pace of play problem. Let's see what kind of an effect we have. Well, the effect it had was positive, a 12-minute reduction in time of play. 12 minutes may not sound like a lot, but the rhythm, the pace, the vibe, the energy, the flow was better helped. So we started moving in that direction. Now, it still took Major League Baseball eight years to adopt it and start using it, but I'm telling you, the product is much more watchable now, which makes me super happy. 
Progress is slow sometimes. So in minor league baseball, you get to be on the cutting edge of some of the innovation, the test market, the crucible for what may be adopted at major league baseball. And you get this wide ranging experience. Love, love, love minor league baseball. But nobody knows this lifestyle better than today's guest, Greg Kiger, assistant GM of stadium events and operations for the Lansing Lugnuts. Hey, Greg, how are you this morning? I am I'm great. How are you, Brian? I, I'm excited for this conversation. I'm doing really well. I'm laughing as we get started because we're going to talk a lot about minor league baseball today and that experience. But before we get started today, you emailed me and you were like, hey, I have to do the most minor league baseball thing ever before we get started in this interview. Take everybody through what your morning was like so far. Reminding everybody, this is the assistant GM we're talking to. So tell us what your morning was like. Yes. I mean, minor league baseball in a nutshell is is we've had some storms. Uh, we, we had an exhibition game uh, two nights ago. Um, we had to switch up. Our, our season doesn't start till tomorrow. We're on the road tomorrow. So we got a call, which we typically do between seven and nine in the morning. Um, on days we know we are going to have to pull the tarp off, and that's exactly what we got. And the timing, obviously, the more people you have around, uh, the easier it's going to be. Uh, we had 72 degrees yesterday. It's, I think, 43 right now. Um, so not only was there a lot of water, there was some ice buildup as well. So anyway, I had to send you a quick email, say, hey, 930, we have a tarp pull. I am not sure, depending on, you know, typically we wait till we get a good dozen bodies to make it not so difficult. So um, I did arrive late and a little out of breath because I just got off the tarp duty. Tarp. So it's <laughs> it's one of those things, and and we have a we have a, a whiteboard with the number of tarp pulls we have. Our season hasn't started. We've had one exhibition, and that was our fifth tarp pull already. Oh, so it's going to be a long one. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I, I think it's funny. It's like, that's the cliche thing we all say. Like some nights you'll be pulling the tarp and some nights you'll be working over here doing this and that, but you're embodying it. This is the real life. Like this it's, is a part of the that's a part of the job for. and part of the culture. That's what we live for. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So let's, let's get into your background a little bit. We'll dive deeper into this conversation and, and what it's like being in minor league baseball. You've worked in a lot of different aspects of this industry. So you've worked in college athletics and minor league sports. You've been in sports sales. You've been a professor. For the last three years, minor league baseball has been your focus with the Lansing Lugnuts. What is it about minor league baseball that makes it special as you compare it to all of your other experiences? What is that special thing about minor league baseball in your your estimation? Well, it's so different. Um, you look at sports in general and can be so many different things. And depending, it seems like when you start out, you're doing so many different things to find your niche and get really good, find out what you're really good at. Yeah. And but something about minor league baseball is like any to me, anything's possible. You, I started out in marketing and promotions for a division two um, college athletic department. And I love that. But my career took me elsewhere as I went along. But one of the first things I wanted to do, I got hired in as the director of stadium events. And so I, my my life, my career has really went into the event mode operations yeah. became a thing and but one thing about minor league baseball i wanted to get thrown in on the marketing side because that's so much fun here because you know it, truly anything is possible if you can cultivate the way you know you still want to do it well no matter what that is but it seems like in other industries you have to be pretty straightforward in what you do in minor league baseball not that all the rules get thrown out but you can kind of make your own rules to a point and that, that's fun for me I think one of the most enjoyable things that I get to experience when interviewing people that work in minor league baseball is that creative side, is that ability to kind of do anything on game night and really build up this energy and excitement in the community. And we're going to, we're going to talk a, a, a lot more about that because I think that's one of the most interesting parts of 
you know, outside the box thinking that happens in in minor league sports. It doesn't necessarily happen in pro sports, and that can be a little bit more regimented. But before we dig in there, sometimes people hear assistant GM and they think to themselves, "Oh, are they on the are they are they out there scouting like you hear in the minor leagues? I mean, in the major leagues, and are they are they looking to players to sign and things like that?" But it's a little different in the minors. So, can you explain a little bit more of what it means to be? an assistant GM, a GM, those kind of roles, front office type roles in minor league sports? Sure. And and I think every, um, I think the GM role is pretty similar across the board of, of all 120 teams. The assistant GM role, depending on, uh, you know, somebody that's been with the same team for 15 years, maybe in marketing and develop into a, you know, a newer title. So the assistant GM across the board might be a little different, but for us, we just had a, a, a changeover. So we have a new GM this year. My role is to adjust a little bit. I'm, I feel I'm more his chief of staff to kind of make sure the directors are doing what they need to do and prepare. We have a we have a, an extremely young staff. Um, so I think my years in the industry, whether it's in minor league baseball or not, has kind of helped them adjust to, okay, this is the expectation of what we're coming up. You know, we've, we've had preseason, we've had a number of things, but for myself, I came in overseeing the event staff through COVID and the pandemic. I inherited the operation side, but I, I've done that numerous other places. And then our when Major League Baseball came, stepped into the, you know, and basically took over the minor league world. We were a Toronto Blue Jays um, affiliate for 15 years. They basically told Toronto, hey, there's space up in Vancouver. It fits better if you stay within your country with COVID going on. And all of a sudden, Oakland needed a place to be, and and we were open. So on a drop of a hat, we were an Oakland A affiliate. So um, it's never a dull moment, Brian. Yeah. Never a dull moment. There's always something happening and going on. So on that event side, you mentioned young staff. I always find minor league baseball fascinating in that you have the same challenges of the pro teams. You're putting on these massive events for thousands of people, but you have a much smaller team and resources. How important does leadership become in all of that and being able to manage a young staff and help grow and still deliver night in and night out? It's it's the delivery and execution part that gets tough because you still want people to feel like they're learning on their own. And, and Zach, our GM, and I fully believe in, you know, we're not going to micromanage anybody, but our door's always open unless we're on a podcast or or something yeah. to to knock on it and say, hey, I, we need some help here. And, and you know, beer delivery gets here on Friday for our food and beverage, and all of us are out there getting 72 kegs to wherever they need to go. And just one up. of those things. And, you know, if you're going to work in minor league sports, you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to be a one-trick pony. You're not going to come in in marketing and that's, you're going to sit at your desk, you're going to work on a plan. You're going to execute the plan that night because it just doesn't work that way. So make yourself invaluable, find out what you love as a part yeah. of this and, um, and go for it. But, but you got to be willing to get pulled in 20 different directions and, and I get disappointed where, you know, I had a meeting set up for two o'clock for 10 people and only three people are here. Well, that's because the other seven people are doing something else at the moment. So it takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of adaptability. But at the end, again, execution and delivery is everything. By the time the gates open, they see us swimming underwater. They see everything above it and things are great or they're not so great. And we work hard to fix them. I think that's a really inspirational part of this. And I speak in probably 40 to 50 college classrooms each semester and I'm always telling people, go get some experience in minor league baseball. I think it is absolutely the best training ground for exactly what you just said. You're going to be doing a lot of different things. You're going to get exposed to a lot of different op uh, options in the, in the business world. You're going to figure out where your love and passion may or may not be. And you're going to be on the grind. And that's a lot of what our industry is like. Right. Uh, 
what do you see when, when that happens and you bring in a lot of different staff and there's probably high turnover and you have interns and you have people supporting in different ways? What are those things that you look for? What are those things that you look for not only in those people that uh, are worth bringing in, but then those that are successful and, and do well in this field? Really, I go back to adaptability. If, if you're not willing to try something new, um, try something you've never tried before and take some criticism, you know, weather plays a big part in what we do and, and what we can do. And, you know, we dis- disappoint a lot of pitching coaches when our, our weather reports aren't quite right. And they start throwing their, their secondary pitcher to warm up. And all of a sudden the storm comes 15 minutes early. And, and so, um, a lot of difficult conversations along the way, but but you hit it on the head. You know, minor league sports is going to give you. It's going to let you know what you love pretty quickly and what you really don't care for. Yeah. Um, I mean, we went through three interns last year, and we had a we had an intern first day on a power washer all day preseason, and he didn't show up the second day. He just left. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's best not to sugarcoat things. It's it's right. going to be hard, but you're going to put yourself in the situations to have some pretty incredible moments. And, you know, my career has been littered with 30 or 40 pretty incredible moments. But if I hadn't put myself in the position to um, arrive at that perfect situation, um, you know, it was through hard work and and doing some things I didn't particularly care for, but we do them because it needs to get done. And it's like I worked in Jacksonville and we had um, a Monday Night Raw on TV that night. And afterwards I had to go through um, where the wrestlers were filtering into their locker room afterwards. And yeah. that night I got to meet um, Leon Wilkerson from Leonard Skinner because he had been on a flight into Jacksonville with a wrestler, invited him down, and I had to get from point A to point B. And I got to spend three minutes with the bass player from Leonard Skinner, and it was awesome. I bet. And, and uh, it's just one of those things that if I hadn't had to go do that mundane task that – I didn't want to get out of because I needed to get done, but I had that moment. I'll always remember that moment. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that is a attitude that I think wins in the sports industry is doing what needs to get done. And that used to be our philosophy a lot of times. Early in my career, when I was starting out in the sports media, it was, yeah, there are things I don't want to do, but it needs to get done. And so whoever takes up that attitude can be that person that, that proves that they have a high ceiling and willing to do what it takes to get the get the work done. And that's that's such an important part of the attitude, I think, in our industry. Right. If our young professionals aren't seeing me out doing some of those tasks and just pointing at that and say, look, that that stand needs to get cleaned better. Yeah. You know, th- there's a respect there and an admiration, but if they don't see me doing it also, it, it you know, why should they do it? Leadership by example. It's so important. There's, there's no denying that the baseball season is a grind. I mean, long hours, road trips, a lot of game nights. You, you have this experience, but what advice would you give to young people breaking into the industry that this is a this is a different rhythm? I mean, the, what mm-hmm. advice would you share for surviving the day in and day out and making sure you stay sharp and mentally healthy? We can't do what was done to us, basically. And it's you're going to be here at eight and on nine game days, you're here till 530 unless we have another event. Or we're here till everything's cleaned up in the stadium, which is one or two in the morning. And we just... We just can't do that. Younger generation isn't going to connect to that. You know, they need they need some time. They need some, you know, like all of us do. You know, here yeah. I'm in my 50s going, you know, if I would have got a little time through there, I wouldn't feel like I'm 93. But, um, 
But uh, it's just one of those things. It's like we have to be really careful of not only the physical, but the mental as well. So we're going to find a way to, to make it fun because for us behind the scenes, it's a grind. You know, I'd, I hear all these people complaining about Major League Baseball and this pitch clock. You know, we had it all last year. And yeah. for us that, you know, work 830 to 530 and then our gates open at six for a seven o'clock game. You know, I don't mind a two hour game. You know, no. screw the three and a half hour games. I've already been here for 12 hours. So yeah, give me all the two dude. hour games we can. So let's get a taste of this. Yeah. yeah so that's, totally agree. That, that, that's been good. But, yeah. you, know, you know, it goes back to, to having fun. It's the days and game nights are a grind. So let's try to have some fun with it. Do you have a favorite event planned for this upcoming year? We have Joy Chestnut showing up to break the olive burger eating record. Of course. Who else would so you have? So why wouldn't record? we do that? So I still don't know. I got to find out if, if he's, you know, eating the whole burger or if we're going to get water involved like he does on the hot dog <laughs> side. But, you know, that's, that's one of the fun things we, you know, we try to make it easy. You know, we try to play off the Harry Potter stuff and the Star Wars stuff. And, you know, with limitations and licensing, we have to call it other things, but yeah. It is what it is, and we just have to let people know that's that's what it is without telling them that's what it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we have Wizarding Weekend, and we can't say it's a hotter uh, Harry Potter weekend. Yeah. So so we play off of those things that we know that's you know we're, we're driving ticket sales. So we know what people love to do, and we we you know we put our our team in different uniforms and come out with different giveaways, and and it's like we had uh, you know with the tragedy at Michigan State a month or so ago, and we had our we start our season typically with an exhibition game with Michigan State. And so we did that Tuesday and what we did, we did a lug nut Jersey, but we had the lug nut in their Spartan green. So mm. um, I think we, we gave away a thousand, I think within 14 minutes they were gone. So wow. um, we had over 4,000 people actually Tuesday, we outdrew Oakland um, with, with an exhibition game. So that tells you that people are excited to come out. Um, like I said, yesterday was 72 or 73 degrees. Today, I think the high is 49. So we're back prepping. Now we're prepping for Michigan State to play um, three games here over the weekend because their field's unplayable. So, but that's minor league baseball for you. You know, yeah. you, you so, don't, it's tough to plan a vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it, it's always interesting to me, too. A lot of minor league teams are in smaller cities or more rural areas, and they can really own that community and they can be the biggest event in town and they can really build that up. And, you guys have a bit of a challenge. Lansing's a good sized city. You've got Michigan mm -hmm. State right down the road. Uh, does that feel like com competition or is that something you guys partner up with? It sounds like you have a lot of joint activations. I mean, how do you mm -hmm. how do you kind of leverage that relationship? I wouldn't really call it a competition. I will say that in the fall, um, just before our season ends and and the better weather in October after our season ends. We try not to schedule too much around a Michigan State home football game because it yeah. just doesn't work. Um, no. We developed a golf program um, after the COVID year where we will set up nine tee boxes around the concourse and chip onto uh, holes. And we set up greens with, with roping on the field. And um, we've cool. done that twice last year. And and that might have been the first event we did after Lemonade League finished where people just were excited to get out and golf courses were kind of opening. And so that's a fun program for us. They get they get three shots and depending on if they at least get it. We <laughs> fun part about that is we spend a week after picking up golf balls all over because golf balls end up all over because they oh, still yeah. got to hit over 
uh, from the top of the concourse through the seating bowl onto the field. So they get a point for getting on the field. If they get it in the green, they they get more points. If they get a hole in one, they get more points. And the winner gets the owner's box for a night with with um, 19 friends and gets our own crushed velvet red jacket. And um, we just have a lot of fun with it. Love it. I, I just love the creativity that you see in minor league baseball and the no holds barred kind of let's try it let's do it let's see what yeah, happens kind of attitude it's fun it's fun for pro teams they market their athletes right they really get those faces out there cuz kids young people adults we buy jerseys we get into the athletes we want to have our favorite player in minor leagues there's a lot of churn on the roster i mean it could be completely different from year to year you could have a player mm-hmm. you're investing a lot of marketing in and then they get called up to the yeah. next level like yeah. how hard is that do you have to focus more on the event and the entertainment and kind of not not focus on the players as much or is there a balance in there? There's kind of a balance because, um, you know, people that pay attention are paying attention. Okay. What's, you know, how many number one and number two picks are going to be playing for the lug nuts. And if they turn out, if they don't show up to a game in April or May, they're probably up to the next level by June. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's tough. So we try to drive tickets and other things through, you know, through our family fun events that we have here. Um, the player side is probably going to get a little more difficult now with uh, this new CBA agreement with Major League Baseball. Um, so we're going to probably see some change to kind of like the NIL has done with college athletics. Yeah. You know, exhibition games and, and like private appearances for communities and things like that are going to probably start costing us money so the pair gets played for those types of things. Where before it was, you know, they just wanted to get their face out there. So if we needed to send yeah. four kids to the elementary school to do a, a reading program, everyone was happy to do it. We'd pay them 25 bucks and, and they get on the community and help us out. We'd help the school out. And, you know, the, the guys would get, you know, once they kind of get their names out in the community and they hear people cheering for them specifically once they come to the games. And I think that may look a little different here moving forward pretty soon. Um, so, and we figured that major league baseball would, you know, they, they had to change wages. They had to change the way guys lived. Uh, it wasn't great. Um, we've developed a pretty good situation here in here in Lansing for player accommodations. Uh, so through this year, things will even change even more. And, you know, there's always that rumor out there. There might be more contraction. So Major League Baseball may have to pay less players, but they're doing what's right. And, and guys are making a little more money, although, you know, they, they have to make that decision. They have that seven figure salary up if they can make it to the very top level. And right now, you know, it's been barely five figures. So it's, you got to play that game and guys, guys have been doing it for decades and trying to, trying to make it in the major leagues and stay in the best hotels and have the best closed. And, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just one of those things that it's, it it needed to get better. It has gotten better. And we're just waiting to see where that's going to land because it's, it'll probably change again. Greg, I'm, I'm so appreciative of all your time. It's been such an amazing conversation. I want to finish up with this. With your years of experience in the industry, you already told us one great story about the Leonard Skinner basis and being on the job and having having that experience. But I gotta I gotta figure you have more. I love the storytelling aspect of people that work in the industry. I love that those things that we get to see and experience that others just look at you with rapt attention, like, mm-hmm. wait, you did what? You know, like right, so right. so give us another one. Pull another one out of the archive, share a story with us from your experience and from your from your life in sports that uh It'll be fun one to share. Okay. Well, I'm going to share two because I can't, like my my kids, I can't tell one without the other because they're pretty (laughs) two incredible stories that just happen to happen. And one was great and one wasn't so great. But um, I spent six years as the intramural director at University of Notre Dame. 
uh, back in the back in the nineties, and uh, it, it doesn't seem that long ago. But right. it's, it's I feel the same way. Ago. Trust me. Um, so. I, I had a buddy show up, and I was going to take him to uh, the Penn State Notre Dame football game that fall. And I got my my two bosses worked up in the booth for football. One controlled the scoreboard, and one guy did something else. And I got um, more involved on the basketball side as far as working, which offshoot of that story, um, I worked the scores table when Michigan's Fab Five started their very first game. That was at Notre Dame. That's so that awesome. was pretty cool. Being a Michigan That's kid awesome. yeah. and a Michigan fan, knowing that was coming to see all five of them starting the game was 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but um, I got a call from him after the game. It, during halftime, they did a lot of the shoots for um, the on-field um, shots for the movie Rudy that, that okay. Day. So I got a call from him that night saying, hey, they're, they have this whole plan of attack on doing all those shots again, but they're inviting thousands of people to come to the stadium. This is on a Sunday in, uh, in November, and what they want to do is they need somebody to run the scoreboard for that. I can't make it. Can you make it? I said, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So he gave me the uh, uh, assistant director's phone number, told me what time to be there, and first they kind of ran us through some things. It's like, okay, here – the scoreboard needs to read these three things yeah. at this particular time. Um, they gave me a walkie-talkie, my and and again, it's I think um, uh, he's indebted to me forever. My buddy got to tag along, and we both got paid to do it too. So <laughs> we have this experience that you know he was just going to come to a weekend to see his first Notre Dame football game, and we ended up working on the movie Rudy. So that's amazing. I so uh, that. so we did those three things. And he's like, and but you know, figure out at those time frames. We're still going to run other plays, that type of thing. So do us a favor and kind of tell us what, when, if, when we do this play, what should the scoreboard read with the yeah. timing, the, all yeah. that stuff. So we spent probably an hour kind of almost storyboarding this storyboarding, thing. Yeah. Uh, and so the director came out and said, you guys ready? And he said, you know, we're, we're ready to go. He's like, okay, this looks good. And then they're down on the field we're up in the booth and there's nothing. And so we get to bring up, he's like, I guess we're not going to do the things for like another three hours. Why don't you come down? We'll get something to eat. And so we got down on the field. We're eating and they're doing all the shots up in the stands. So, yeah. you know, we, we see all the, the actors that were in there, John Favreau doing his thing and, yeah. and uh, Rudy's dad doing his thing. And so anyway, we get a couple of the other actors and one of the um, assistant directors says, as we're on the field, he's like, we hear him talking, ever kicked a field goal? No, I've never tried a field goal. Me knowing where everything is, um, I said, tell you what, let me go get a kicking tee. And so we spent 20 minutes, all these people um, trying to come over and see if they could kick a field goal. And nobody <laughs> came close, but but so like, it was like two hours. And then they're like, okay, why don't you go up and, and I think we're ready to do it. So we're going through and they're rating up, okay, we're going to do this play. The scoreboard needs to read this. Okay, yeah. run it. And then we'd run it. We got to about the last play, and it was it's November, so it's getting pretty cold in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. So we finish up. They want to do one more play. They want me to run it back, and our scoreboard just shuts down. It freezes. There's nothing more I can do. Yeah. So they're like, well, I you know, I guess that's all we're gonna get. We can run the play and not show the scoreboard. And so anyway, that that's one of my stories. It's oh, yeah. one of those things that, you know, just because of the department I worked in, and my boss is like, I can't make it. Can you do it? I'm like, Heck yeah. Yes, I can. Yes, I'm doing. My only other story, if we have time. Yeah, go. Uh, I'm the event manager in Jacksonville, Florida, and we have uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus for a whole week. And our back asphalt parking lot 
is where the elephants and most of the animals that can take some evening weather are there yeah. for the whole week. So they're driving these three-foot stakes into our asphalt. And through our contract and everything, everything's paid for as far as refilling those holes and all that yeah. stuff. They're there for six days. So I basically split time for the evening shows, overseeing the facility with our general manager. And uh, I just happened to come up with Sunday, which I figured I would be working Sunday because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And my boss wants to be able to watch everything leading up to the game. Yeah. Um, but the show, the last show gets over about four o'clock. The game's not going to start till after six. Everything should be fine. You would figure. Yeah. So there they get everything torn down inside our facility and they're tearing everything down um, outside the facility. They got to the last tent, pulled out one of the stakes and all of a sudden you see in this heaving in the asphalt. Well, they had with that stake, they had punctured a gas line. Oh, they had punctured it so squarely that it didn't release any gas until, until they pulled out. it out on Sunday. Yeah. So, um, call 911, call our gas service, get everybody there we can. And I'm there till about 7.30 until everything settles down. Every, yeah. And so I missed the first half of the Super Bowl because we had punctured a gas line with the big top tent from the circus. So yeah, I don't know how many people have that job. story, but that's one of my stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love it. I love this stuff. I always think these stories are, are so special to our industry and unique, and it's, it's different than a lot of other careers. I think that's what part, part of what makes it special. So... Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing all this great advice, too. I think there's so many nuggets everybody in our audience can take out of it and learn so much about what it takes to sur survive and thrive in this industry. So, Greg, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to give back. And, you know, I still hear back from, from former student workers or students I taught. And, you know, we help them as much as we can. As we get older, our, our branch kind of widens. and. Yep. You know, we get people that, you know what, I want to end up at Texas. So I start figuring out who I know at Texas or used to work at Texas that might still know somebody. And so still helping out, but that's what mentors do. And that's what mentors did for me. So I'm, I'm there to give back. That's why we do this show is yeah. to help and to, to build those branches. So that's awesome. Well, uh, appreciate thank you, Brian. for contributing to it. Absolutely. Thank you to Greg for coming on the show. I love the one great story concept. I love some of the things we're hearing from people out there doing it and living it and having these great experiences in the sports industry. If that doesn't get you excited, motivated, intrigued by what a career in the sports world will look like for you or what you might experience, I don't know what will, but great advice in there of what it's like in minor league baseball, the day-to-day -day grind, mental health, training staff, getting people up to speed, what he looks for in staffing and hiring, a lot of great info in there. So thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Love to continue growing our audience here, and you're a big part of that. So I will see you all on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>